This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. rahman rahim Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen. نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه والتابعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد. We praise Allah subhanahu wa taala. We send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, his entire household, all his companions. We ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to bless them all and to bless every single one of us to grant us goodness in this world and the next, to to bless us with righteousness and success. Amin. My brothers and sisters, if I were to ask you, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create you? The correct answer is, He created us in this world in order to test us, in order for us to worship Him, in order for us to fulfill the commands, in order for us to recognize Him and to understand the commands and instructions that come from Him to fulfill them as best as possible, to seek forgiveness wherever we falter and to prepare for the day that we will return to him. And this is why it is quite clear in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I have not created mankind or jinkind except in order that they Worship me. They obey my instruction. So your duty and mine is to ask questions. Who made me? Why did he make me? Continue asking those questions. Where are those who are not yet born? And where are those who have already died? Where am I? Where am I heading? Where will I go after I die? These questions shall be answered inshallah. They will be answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has sent revelation in order to answer these questions. So everyone is looking for success. You and I know that a successful person on earth is considered to be a person depending on what you're looking for. Some people look at a businessman who has the millions and the billions and they say he is successful. Others look, for example, at a person who has achieved religiously and say he is successful. The truth is, we will never ever know who is successful until we die and we get somewhere. So if we get to the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indeed we have succeeded. And if we get to the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have failed. So success is the one who's granted paradise. Successful is the person who has been granted jannah, has been granted paradise by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, in Surah Al-Imran, verse number 200, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear that in order to achieve success, you need to be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we take a look at the verse, Allah says, right at the end of the surah, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu sbiru wa sabiru wa rabitu wa attaqullaha la'allakum tuflihoon. O you who believe, do you know why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh, you who believe? Because those who believe consider this a serious matter. If in the Quran you find a verse 
that starts off with, Oh, you who believe, and you pay extra attention to it, it means you're a believer. And if you find a verse saying, Oh, you who believe, and it doesn't even bother you, there is something wrong with your iman. Allahu Akbar. That is a serious point. When Allah says, Ya amanu, and immediately you turn and you want to know, because you know you're included in it, it shows you have iman. It shows you have faith. But when you hear, Ya amanu, and you continue walking, then perhaps it shows that there is still a weakness in that iman. So Allah says, Isbiru, bear patience. Wasabiru, be forbearant. Restrain yourself. Continue struggling and striving to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Warabiru, and find yourselves in the positions that Allah has asked you to be in. Defending the ummah, defending yourself, your iman, protecting from the devil and the enemy. Wattaqullaha. And the term taqwa is used. Wattaqullah. I'm sure we've heard it so many times. Wattaqullah. Some say, be conscious of Allah. Some say, fear Allah. I'm sure we've heard these terms, isn't it? Some say, fear Allah. Some say, be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let us say, for example, have taqwa. That's an easy way out. Have taqwa. لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ In order for you to succeed. So for me to succeed, for me to achieve success, I need taqwa. I need to be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The proper lengthy meaning of the term taqwa is as follows. According to Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, and it's a beautiful interpretation. He says taqwa is derived from the term wiqaya. Wiqaya meaning a barrier, to create a barrier. There is a wiqaya between you and me. For example, there is a barrier between you and I. So if we were to say it is from wiqaya, it is, in all, it is to create a barrier between you and the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by fulfilling His commands and abstaining from prohibitions. That is known as taqwa. So if I'm a person who's muttaqi, or I'm a person who is God-conscious or fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does it mean in detail? It actually means I'm a person who's always bothered about a barrier between me and the fire. I don't want to go to the fire, so I create a curtain, a barrier between me and the fire. By doing what? By fulfilling the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and abstaining from prohibitions. Wherever Allah has instructed you to do something, you are there. Wherever he's instructed you not to do something, you find yourself far from that. And at the same time, what is important is for us to know that where we have faulted because of human nature, part of taqwa will make you repent. It will make you turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this evening I'm speaking about the term perhaps. The term perhaps, maybe. When Allah gives advice, he gives beautiful advice to us. When Allah instructs, He instructs in a beautiful way. You know, when Fir'aun, who was a great tyrant on earth, happened to be fortunate enough that the messenger came to him, but he was unfortunate that he did not accept the message of that messenger. Who was the messenger? Musa alayhi salam. This Fir'aun was a man who used to say, Ana I am your Lord, I am the highest. I am your Lord, the Haiti, the High. And he used to say, Ma alimtu lakum min ilahin ghayri. Oh my people, I don't know of any God for you besides me. 
Astaghfirullah. Imagine besides me, I always sit and think he was just a human being who also had stomach problems and a cough and a flu and so on. And he used to say, I'm your Lord. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us all. May he grant us steadfastness and strength. So this is something serious. Allah sent Musa alayhi salam and told him how to address this man. None of us can be worse than Fir'aun. And none of us can be better than the Prophet Musa alayhi salam. So when we address people, when we call them to Islam, to the deen, to what is right, listen to what Allah told someone better than you regarding how to approach someone worse than anyone you will ever be able to approach. Allah says, فَقُولَا لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيِّنًا لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَّرُ أَوْ يَخْشَى Go to him and give him or tell him, speak to him with soft words. Why? Soft words penetrate the heart. Soft words, perhaps he will be from among those who are reminded. Perhaps he will fear Allah. Perhaps he will be conscious of Allah. If you speak with humbleness and humility and you speak with good words, you will definitely be able to reach a part of the heart. If Allah wills, that is far more effective than if you were to speak harshly. Like Allah says to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you were hard-hearted, if you were harsh and hard-hearted, they would have dispersed from around you. They would have dispersed. Subhanallah. So what is important is for us to know how to address, to know how to speak, to know how to convey the message. So the point I've raised here before I start with the term, perhaps you may achieve righteousness. Perhaps you may achieve taqwa. The point I made is, in order to succeed, you need taqwa. Now let's see how to achieve taqwa. Did you hear that? In order to succeed, you need taqwa. We all need success. That's what I said at the beginning. And in order to succeed, you need taqwa. So how do I achieve taqwa? We all want to buy a motor vehicle. In order to have the motor vehicle, you need money. How do I make money? That's the question. It's the first step, isn't it? So similarly here, let's see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding taqwa. And the reason why I chose to make mention of how Allah told Musa alayhi salam to address the Pharaoh or Fir'aun is because if Allah willed, he did not have to say, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ Perhaps they may be righteous. Perhaps they may achieve piety. Perhaps they may become conscious of me. He did not need to say that. He could have just given instruction. Do this, don't do that. It was enough. But he speaks so beautifully to us, being Allah. He still says, why don't you do this? Isn't it time for the believers to turn? That's what Allah says. He could have said, oh believers, turn now. Was there anything wrong with that if he said that? No. He is Allah. It is he who created. It is his decision. And he commands and instructs whatever he wills. Someone asked me a question, why did Allah instruct us to read salah five times when he does not need the salah? Why did he say we should do ruku' in this way and sujood in this way? Well, the proper answer is, it is his choice and decision, not mine, not yours. 
When the examiner asks you a question, it is his decision what he will test you upon or on. But it is not yours. If it was yours, what's the point of the test? If you're the one who decides the questions, that's a fraud. It's not considered a proper test. So remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has tested us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has chosen. But on top of that, He's been so kind with us. He has reminded us so many times. If He wanted, He could have said, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُ الزَّكَاةِ Once in the Qur'an, establish your prayer and give out the charities. The zakah. He could have said it once, but he didn't. He repeated it so many times. That's the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's take a look at this term, taqwa. The term, consciousness of Allah. Today we will use the, the translation, righteousness. Although righteousness is also included in the term, birr. When Allah says, al-birr, laysa al-birra, wujuhakum. When Allah speaks about righteousness, it is not facing the right or the left or the east or the west, but it is worshipping Allah and fulfilling the instruction and so on. The term righteousness is also included in the term birr, but it also is included in the term taqwa. Although the depth, the deeper meaning of it, I've already explained it to you. It is to create a barrier between you and the punishment of Allah by fulfilling His commands, abstaining from prohibitions, and seeking forgiveness. So Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 29, the first point, the most important point, that is to worship Allah alone. You want to achieve righteousness? Perhaps you may achieve righteousness. When? When you worship Allah alone. And who is Allah? You know, the Christians ask, why should we worship Allah? Who is Allah? They think He is the God of the Muslims. They think perhaps He is a person. Maybe He is a, a black box in Mecca. That's what some of them think. Some have even spread a rumor that He is one idol that remained on that Kaaba the day that all the idols were destroyed. And that is a lie because every single idol was destroyed. Not a single one was left. So they use the term Allah. What is the big deal? They say, Astaghfirullah. So here is the big deal. Listen to it. Allah says, Ya ayyuhannas, O people. If Allah said, O you who believe, maybe those who don't believe might not want to listen. So Allah addresses all the people. Ya ayyuhannas, u'budu rabbakumulladhi khalaqakum walladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattakoon. O people, worship your Rabb. U'budu Rabbakum. He didn't say worship Allah. He started off by saying worship your Rabb. Why? What is the meaning of the term Rabbun? Rabb means he who created you. Whoever made you, worship him. Whoever nourishes you, worship him. Whoever provides for you, worship him. Whoever is in absolute control of every aspect of your existence, worship him. When you put your head on the ground, say, O oh, you who made me, I worship you alone. O oh, you whom I'm going to return to, I worship you alone. O oh, you who is in charge of my sustenance and in control of it, I worship you alone. O oh, you who is in control of my health, my happiness, my goodness, I worship you alone. This is the power of Allah. Allah is telling all the people, worship whoever made you. Nobody can challenge that. If I were to tell anyone on earth, look, worship the one who made you and say, oh you who made me, you are the only one I worship. 
What's wrong with the statement? Nobody can argue with that statement. That is Islam. That is monotheism. We say, oh you who made me, you are the greatest. Wallahi, my brothers and sisters, when we go out down in rukur and sujood, prostration in prayer, what do we say? Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. We are praising our Rabb. What is the meaning of Rabb? Whoever made me. Oh you who made me, you are the highest. And right now, when we're in prostration, we would be the lowest in terms of where your head is. Physically, your head is right at the bottom. What are you saying? Oh, you who made me, I've put my head right on the ground for you who is the highest. Wow. What a beautiful act of worship. No religion has the act of worship as the Muslimin have when it comes to the prostration that we have. It's a gift of Allah. And Allah says, أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونُ الْعَبْدُ لِرَبِّهِ وَهُوَ سَاجِدُ The closest that a slave can be to his Rabb. Notice the term Rabb is used to refer to the maker, the cherisher, nourisher, sustainer, one whom you're going to return to. All this is included in that term. The closest you could be is when you are in the position of prostration. So Allah says, O oh, you who believe. Or Allah says in this verse, O oh, people, worship your Rabb, the one who made you. The one who made you, Allah khalaqakum. Allah says it clearly. Worship your Rabb. Who is your Rabb? Who made you? And He made those before you as well. Subhanallah. Which means wherever they have gone right now, that's where you are going. So worship Him alone. Oh you whom I'm going to return to. You alone I worship. Subhanallah. Nothing more powerful than this statement. And it is right at the beginning of the Quran. Verse number 21 of Surah Al-Baqarah. Why should I worship he who made me? Why should I worship he who made those before me? Perhaps you will achieve righteousness. Allahu Akbar. So it is impossible to achieve true righteousness without worshipping Allah alone. Without worshipping Allah alone. Watch out, your acts of worship never render them to another human being, to a saint, to a tree, to a stick, to an idol to someone else, to money, to something material. Your heart must be stuck to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will never let you down. You render an act of worship, never render an act of worship to anyone or anything besides Allah. Without that, you will not be able to achieve righteousness. Remember this. So this is why the first verse is, O people, worship your Rabb alone. He who created you and created all those before you, Perhaps you may achieve righteousness. Let's move to the next verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about something very important. Revelation. It is the duty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He placed on Himself to send to us messengers and reminders. Every one of us has had a reminder. Right now, what are we doing? Reminding one another. Regarding what? Revelation. Am I speaking from my pocket? I've just read in front of you verses. You can check them up. You can see this is revelation. And they have been speaking about these verses for a long, long time. So Allah is going to ask you and ask me about these verses and the messages. And this is why when Allah has favored people, He reminds them of the favor upon them. Didn't Allah give you eyes, nose? Don't you have so much? Aren't you sitting? Don't you have food? Stop looking at those who have more than you. Look at those who have less than you. Allah has given you whatever you have. It's a gift of Allah. Stop complaining that there is a typhoon. Look at those who died in earthquakes and thank Allah. Ya Allah, this is light, but we ask you to protect us. Amen. 
Stop looking at the negatives in your life. Start looking at the positives. So Allah says, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 63. وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِيثَاقَكُمْ وَرَفَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُّورَ خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةِ وَاذْكُرُوا مَا فِيهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Speaking to the children of Israel or the children of Ya'qub. When we say Israel, we are not talking of a nation. We are talking of a man. Israel was the other name of the Prophet Jacob. May peace be upon him. Ya'qub. He was known as Israel. So Banu Israel means the children of Yaqub, the children of Jacob. May peace be upon him. So Allah says, and remember, Allah is reminding them. And the reminder is for all of us because Allah is mentioning to us His favors upon others, just like He has favored us. Remember when we took the covenant from you and we lifted the mount over you. This was something that happened at that particular time where Allah favored them above others and Allah protected them and Allah lifted the mountain known as Tur and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we gave you the revelation Allah is saying ma fihi. remember that which is in it in what? in the revelation that we sent you in order that you may achieve righteousness perhaps you may achieve righteousness how will you achieve this righteousness? By remembering what Allah has revealed. If you have no connection with revelation, you will not be able to achieve piety or righteousness. You need to be connected. So one might say, well, this verse is connected to the people of aforetime. What about us? One might say, this verse is connected to the people of aforetime regarding their revelation, the Torah and the Talmud and so on. What about us? Hang on, you will hear what Allah says about the Qur'an as well. In another verse, in Surah Al-A'raf, verse number 171, Allah says the same thing that He said that I mentioned earlier, using slightly different words. Allah says, Remember the time when we lifted that mount above you as though it was a shadow and they thought it was going to fall on them. Allah says, take strongly what we have sent to you in terms of revelation and remember that which is in it. Revise that which is in it. Understand that which is in it. Perhaps you may achieve righteousness. This again is connected to revelation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of the Quran itself. Surah Al-Zumar, verse number 28. Look at the term taqwa being used again. Perhaps you may achieve righteousness. The Qur'an, that which is recited in the Arabic language, which has no fault in it, it has no crookedness in it, it has no contradiction in it, no matter how hard the people try to say this is contradicting, that is contradicting, if you go to those with knowledge, 
they will explain it to you. There is no contradiction. Not at all. Recently someone tried to prove wrongly that the Quran has in it verses that depict Jesus as a God or a son of God. Astaghfirullah. Such stupidity, lack of the knowledge of the Arabic language is very clear in it. I don't know if you heard the clip, but it's doing its rounds. An Indian man busy talking and saying, I used to be a Muslim. And the Quran itself sent me to Jesus. What nonsense. May Allah forgive us. What stupidity. You're trying to tell me that for 1,400 odd years, no one picked it up and you suddenly a bright spark who doesn't even speak Hindi correctly, want to come and tell us what the Quran has to say? May Allah forgive us. This is a non-Muslim trying to instill confusion in the hearts and minds of the Muslims who do not have enough knowledge. And the problem with us is we don't have enough knowledge. So if you are to get confused by those type of statements, it's because you don't know enough. We are guilty of not learning the Quran. What did Allah say in these verses? Quran, the Arabic language, which has no contradiction, no crookedness in it. Allah revealed it to you in order that you may achieve righteousness or taqwa. So if you learn it, if you put it into practice and you convey it to others, you will achieve taqwa. If not, you'll be confused. So learn the Quran. This is why it is the duty of every single one of us to make an effort to learn the Quran. Not just the recitation, but the meaning of it. Learn it directly yourself. You know, people ask me, have you read this book, Fifty Shades of Grey? A lot of people have asked me this question. And when I say, what is it? Oh, there's a movie out as well. Have you seen it? And then people tell me that is something that was created in order to drift people away from morality to immorality. Wallahu a'lam. Allah knows best. But why I am surprised is when Muslims ask this question, I ask them a question, have you read the book? Not 50 shades of grey, one shade of heaven. You want to go to heaven, have you read the book? We are ready to entertain ourselves with so much of entertainment. I'm not saying that entertainment is prohibited. No, it depends what it is and how long you are with it. But at the same time, if you don't know the Quran, you have wasted your time. You have wasted your life completely. You don't know the Quran, you've wasted your life. Allahu Akbar. It reminds me of those who were crossing the river. You might have heard this from one of my talks in the past or elsewhere. And... They were crossing the ocean, in fact, or the sea. And subhanallah, the sailor who was there was not really educated. But at the same time, the people, the four or five people who were on his boat were highly educated. So the one says, I'm a professor in biology. The other one says, I'm a professor in geology. The other one says, I'm a professor in technology. And the other one says, some other ology, whatever it was. And they asked him, what are you studying? I'm just a sailor, subhanAllah. I'm just a sailor. I just sail. I know how to sail. Oh, you wasted your life. I wasted my life. 
My brothers and sisters, that's not a waste of life. The man is earning. So what happened is, a little bit later, the boat started rocking and the tide became dangerous. The waves began to rock the boat and it was about to capsize. So it was his turn that the sailor, he looks at these men and he says, do you know swimology? They said, no. He said, well, all your biology and geology and technology and whatever other ology will not come to your help. You have wasted your life. They said, what do you mean? They said, because there is rockology here. And you have to jumpology into the oceanology. And you need to know swimology. Otherwise, there is no point in all your ologies. And subhanallah, you might be bitten by a crocodology. <laughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. They realize the point. But the point I am raising is, if we are people who have led a life full of technology and biology and geology without Quranology, we have wasted our life. That's the point. We have wasted our life. Imagine arriving when the boat is rocking. Sakaratul Maut. The pangs of death have come with truthfulness. That is the reality. It is yaqeen. This is what you've been promised. Imagine when the pangs of death come to you or myself or anyone else and they don't know what is lying ahead because they never took a moment to learn the Quran and revelation, that which came from Allah. It is clear cut. I have read the Bible and the Torah and so many other books and trust me, the Quran is so, so miles apart when it comes to revelation. It is definitely clear cut different from those books that have been changed in such a way that they have 36 to 42 different versions of the same Bible. But we haven't yet read the Quran. So how will we achieve righteousness? Allah says, you want to achieve righteousness. There's the Quran. Are they not going to ponder deeply over the verses of the Quran? So your duty towards the Quran is to read it. To try your best to understand it. To ensure that you have put it into practice as best as possible. Sought forgiveness for wherever you have faulted because we are human. And at the same time, have hope in the mercy of Allah. Teach it to others. Convey it as best as you can. So that you can achieve goodness. And you can achieve righteousness. Another verse regarding the same Quran. Listen to what Allah says. Verse number 113 of Surah Taha. وَكَذَلِكَ أَنزَلْنَاهُ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًّا وَصَرَّفْنَا فِيهِ مِنَ الْوَعِيدِ And in this way, we have revealed or sent down the Qur'an in the Arabic language and in it, we have made clear the warnings, the punishments, whether it is the punishment that people themselves are warned of that they may fall into or the punishment of the previous nations. Allah says, we have made clear the warnings of the punishment 
in this Quran. Why did Allah warn us? Why are there warnings? It is easy for us to speak about goodness. And I think nowadays the despondency of people is such that if we spoke about goodness, they would become more attracted. And if we spoke about punishment alone, they would become more despondent. Meaning they would turn away. So you find a lot of our talks happen to speak more on hope, although they do include a bit of fear, because the balance of it is what makes a believer. You cannot speak about Jannah all the time. You need to sometimes address the issue of Jahannam. You cannot speak about forgiveness all of the time. You sometimes need to address the issue of punishment. But Allah is indeed most forgiving, most merciful. So in this Quran, Allah says, We mentioned or we gave warnings of the punishment. Perhaps you may achieve righteousness. Or perhaps they may achieve righteousness. Or perhaps they might be reminded. Subhanallah. There might be something said in there that will remind you. How many of us, our lives have changed after a certain thing happened in our lives. We might have heard thousands of messages, but there was that one outstanding message that changed our lives. Yes, it will happen. So Allah says, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ أَوْ يُحْدِثُ لَهُمْ ذِكْرًا Perhaps they may achieve righteousness or perhaps some form of reminder may suddenly come up for them from all these verses, from all these reminders. And here Allah is speaking of the Qur'an itself. Read the Qur'an, you will be reminded. Read the Qur'an, it will comfort you. Read the Qur'an, it will give you direction. Read the Qur'an, it will tell you where you are heading. Read the Qur'an, it will tell you what to protect yourself from. Read the Qur'an, it will give you the guidelines to success in this world and the next. Read the Qur'an, it will tell you how to achieve that success by becoming righteous or conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Read the Qur'an, it will tell you how you can achieve that righteousness. It's amazing. This is the gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So moving further, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then makes mention of so many important factors in this Quran regarding acts of worship. Any act of worship I engage in, in the correct way, I will be able to achieve righteousness. Any prohibition I abstain from for the sake of Allah, it will allow me to achieve righteousness as per the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says, and this verse I'm sure all of us should be knowing off by heart or most of us. What is the verse? It is a verse again in Surah Al-Baqarah 183. O oh, you who believe. What did I say earlier about that? If you are a true believer, you will say what? What does Allah say to me? You will consider it being addressed to you. That's a sign that you're a true believer. But if you say, Oh, yeah, you alladina amanu, oh, you who believe, and you just read the verse and it didn't tickle you, something wrong with your iman. Because you did not consider it to be addressed to you. Why? Aren't you a mu'min? Aren't you a believer? If you are, you should be worried. What is my Lord, my beloved, the most loved to me is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The most loved, and I, I want His love. So when your beloved calls your name, you should say what? And if he says jump, you don't say how high. That is a fraud. You know, when I was younger, they used to depict love by saying, Ooh, he's so madly in love that if she were to say jump, he would say how high. 
And I realized that's a male way of running away from the question. Why? Jump! You were told jump, don't ask a question, just jump! And say, was that okay? MashaAllah, that's love. Allahu Akbar. Do you understand? So if someone says jump and you say how high, it means oh, this person doesn't want to listen to what I say. Jump! Halas, you jumped. As soon as you heard it. Before the P was heard, you were already in the air. Yes, that is love. Subhanallah. I'll marry you any day, mashallah. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, if you are not bothered and your heart does not move, there is something wrong with that belief. So from today onwards, inshallah, whenever you hear, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, you must make an effort to know what is it that Allah wants, then you will be considered مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ O you who believe, fasting, that is an act of worship, one of the pillars of Islam. Fasting has been prescribed upon you, just like it was prescribed upon those before you. Perhaps you may achieve righteousness. Through what? Through obeying the instruction of Allah. What does fasting do for you? Yes, it makes you healthy. Yes, it makes you lose weight. That's right. But that's not the reason why we fast. We fast to please Allah to fulfill His instruction. We become compassionate to those who don't have as much as we do. And we realize and become conscious of our sins. When a person fasts every Monday and Thursday, the chances of him or her sinning, major sins, diminishes. Wallahi, it diminishes. When a person is fasting in the month of Ramadan, they should become more conscious of what they speak, how they talk, with the words that come out of their mouths. For us, fasting is not only to protect yourself or abstain from eating and drinking and permissible sexual desires. No, that's not only what fasting is about. The hadith says, مَن لَمْ يَدَعْ قَوْلَ الزُّورِ وَالْعَمَلَ بِهِ وَالْجَهْلِ فَلَيْسَ لِلَّهِ حَاجَةٌ فِي أَنْ يَدَعَ طَعَامَهُ وَشَرَابًا Whoever, in the condition of fasting, does not leave foul language and vulgar words and working according to that which is false and displeasure of Allah, then Allah is not bothered of the fact that they stayed away from food and drink. They've just wasted their time. That's all. Which means you stay away from food and drink for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Over and above that, you make sure that what comes out of your mouth is good. You don't need to engage in ignorance and in false witness and saying bad words because you would waste your time fasting. What's the point of a person who reads Salah in the first saf? First saf, but he's backbiting. He is backbiting. You know, do you want to hear a powerful statement? Sometimes people appear to be so righteous, mashallah, but that is just appearance. Allah alone knows whether it is genuine or not. I'm not belittling appearance in any way. It is my duty and yours to appear as closest as possible to the instruction of Allah. Yes, but remember one thing. One of our great scholars was asked a question. What was the question? This man who fulfills salah in the first saf and he engages in so much of charity, yet he is backbiting. Look at all his deeds. So he says, Maybe Allah has chosen him to do deeds for other people. Did you hear that? Maybe Allah has chosen him 
to do deeds for other people. So he has salah, he has zakah, he has charities, he has so much of good. But because of his backbiting and his evil and his lack of consciousness in that, all the goodness and reward of those deeds will go to whom? It will go to those whom he has wronged. Do you want that to happen? If not, become conscious. This is why Allah says, we have prescribed fasting to you, upon you, just like we did upon those before you in order that you may achieve righteousness or taqwa, in order that you may protect yourselves from Jahannam, from the fire. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Amen. The same applies to all the acts of worship. The whole reason behind the acts of worship that are prescribed upon us is in order to achieve piety, righteousness, consciousness of Allah, to become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So remember to fulfill the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why in Surah Al-Baqarah, a few verses down, verse number 187, or 187, yes, Allah wa speaks of what is permissible and prohibited in Ramadan and in the night of Ramadan regarding relations with your spouse. And then Allah says thereafter, تِلْكَ حُدُودُ اللَّهِ فَلَا تَقْرَبُوهَا كَذَلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ آيَاتِهِ these are the limits of Allah. So do not transgress. Do not go beyond the limits of Allah. Allah has set limits. Don't cross them. Do not cross the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah says, in this way, we have made clear to man, to mankind at large, the verses. Which verses? The verses of the Quran. Revelation. What is the instruction of Allah? Allah says we made it clear. In order that they achieve righteousness. Perhaps they will achieve righteousness. So if you want to achieve righteousness, do not go beyond the limits of Allah. Don't sin. And if you do, quickly turn to Allah. Because repentance is a sign of consciousness. When you ask Allah's forgiveness, you will definitely be able to achieve taqwa, piety. Because you are conscious of Allah. It is only a believer who will ask Allah's forgiveness. Those who don't believe, they don't ask for forgiveness. This is why shaitan's trap is when you have done really bad things in your life, he makes you feel that you are now beyond the mercy of Allah. That is shaitan's plan. If you are a true believer, you will feel it in your heart. Let me repent. No matter what I've done. No matter what has happened. Let me turn to Allah. That's a sign of Iman. That's a sign of Taqwa. It's a sign of consciousness of Allah. It is the fact that you are conscious of Allah that is making you say, Oh Allah, I'm going to repent to you. I ask you for forgiveness. So forgive me. So Allah says, we've made clear what? Our limits. They're very clear. You all know the limits of Allah. Hadith of Al-Nu'man ibn Bashir regarding halal and haram. He says, Inna al-halal bayin. The Prophet sallallahu said, Halal is very clear. Wa inna al-haram bayin. And haram is very clear. You know what is halal and what is haram. You know what is required of you. You know how you should be dressing. Male and female. You know how you should be speaking. You know what you should be doing. If human nature makes you falter, quickly turn back to Allah. Because that also is taught to us by Allah in the Quran, subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not transgress, do not go beyond the limits. And Allah says, we made these verses clear to man in order that he may achieve righteousness. Like we said, perhaps he may achieve righteousness. So these are clear-cut verses. Let's go through them and let's understand the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Similarly, when it comes to the penal system, when it comes to the penal code, when it comes to the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it comes to the laws laid by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He explains something beautifully to us. And I'm going to give an introduction before I read the verse. If you look at the globe, you will find certain countries where there is a lot of crime. A lot of crime. Everywhere there is a lot of crime. The laws are man-made. They are trying, trial and error. A lot of crime. And you find chaos. And you find people picking on issues related to the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah tells you, I made you, I know you. And I love you more than anyone else. And I'm telling you that if you want success, this is what you should do. This is the system you need in place. If you want success, you will definitely need to fulfill the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like we've just said now, if you want success and you don't want to adopt what Allah has asked you to adopt in terms of your salah, your zakah, your hajj, your song, your dress code, your acts of worship and so on, how will you achieve that? You won't be able to achieve. Similarly, don't find fault in what Allah has sent down. He knows it worked in the past. It always worked and it shall work in the future as well. So that is the system. Allah says, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 179. Indeed, in an equal punishment, there is life for you, O you with sound intellect. Perhaps you may achieve righteousness. Look at how Allah has worded it. What is the equal punishment? The equal punishment is justice for mankind. That's what it is. Justice. If someone has wronged you, is it okay for them to be let off just because you are a weak person and they are powerful? That's injustice. The hadith says, إِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا إِذَا سَرَقَ فِيهِمُ الشَّرِيفُ تَرَكُوهُ وَإِذَا سَرَقَ فِيهِمُ الضَّعِيفُ أَقَامُوا عَلَيْهِ الْحَدِّ وَيْمُ اللَّهِ لَوْ أَنَّ فَاطِمَةَ بِنْتَ مُحَمَّدٍ سَرَقَتْ لَقَطَعْتُ يَدَهَا The hadith says, What destroyed the nations before you is when the elite committed crimes, they were let loose, let off. And when the povo committed crimes, they were punished and penalized. That is injustice. Allah says, You will maintain justice. Muhammad says, Wallahi, I promise you, if my own daughter had to steal, she would be facing the same punishment. Imagine what he's saying. Fatima bint Muhammad, radiallahu anha, and sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, if she stole, I would have meted out the same punishment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthen us. So Allah is saying, if you would like to achieve righteousness, you need to be just. 
Without justice, there is no righteousness. Your family member commits a crime, you side with him because you say blood is thicker than water. Have you heard the statement? Your tribesman does something wrong, is my tribe. The other tribe is wrong. Is that what Islam taught you? How can you achieve righteousness when you have nepotism in you? When you have racism in you? When you do not consider the issue of justice that Allah makes mention of? When you favor people just because they're your family, your complexion, your kind, you favor them just because of that, even though they are wrong? Allah says, you want righteousness. It will never be able to be achieved if those are your habits. You need justice. You need to have equal punishment. You need to be a person who understands right is right. Even if your own wife or father or son has engaged in otherwise. This is how you will achieve righteousness. What a powerful reminder. My mothers and sisters, my brothers and fathers, how beautiful are these verses. Don't you see? They encapsulate absolutely every aspect of our lives. And we are only speaking about perhaps you will achieve righteousness. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala words it so beautifully in Surah Al-An'am, verse number 153. <laughs> Indeed, this my path, this is my path, the straight path. Indeed, this, the path of the deen, the path of the religion, the path of the faith. The path of justice. This is my path. The straight path. So follow it. Why should we follow it? Perhaps you may achieve righteousness. Do not follow the paths that are offshoots from the straight path. The straight path is a powerful, beautiful path leading towards Jannah. Like we started the talk, every one of us wants to head on to paradise or to get into paradise. The way to achieve that is to tread the path. You want to go, go, for example, from one point to another, you need to know the road. You need to follow the road. So the road to paradise is known as As-Siratul Mustaqim, the straight path. That is the only dua and supplication that we make in Surah Al-Baqarah. And Allah asks us to repeat that in every unit of prayer. Not in every prayer, in every unit of prayer. Your five daily prayers. In every unit, you say, Guide us to the straight path. That's the only dua in Surah Al-Fatiha. Have you thought of it? Surah Al-Fatiha is one of the most powerful surahs of the Quran. And in it, what is there? Yes, there is mention of so much, but there is only one supplication, one dua. What is it? Guide me to the straight path. It shows that the most important thing for anyone alive is to follow that straight path. That's how you will achieve happiness in this world. If you try to follow the path of materialism, it will make you depressed. Because no matter how much you have, it will continue to be upgraded and updated. 
It will continue. Do you know how materialism works? I will give you one example. Many years ago, we had huge glasses. I'm talking about something, okay? They were in fashion. And after that, they became small. The fashion changed. They became minute. Fashion changed. The fathers of fashion just wanted to sell it to you. So you worked hard morning to evening, not to learn the Quran, not to do this, meaning not to achieve Jannah, but it was only in order to be able to buy the latest. So when they realized now we've had big glasses, we're making them small, they made them extremely small, they made them half size, you know, where you put it on your nose and it sticks to the end like this, and you just look through the corner when you want to, and you look up, and you look used to look cool, right? They realized that we've run out of it. We don't know what to do. So guess what they did? Do you know what they did? They went big again. Subhanallah. What was in the trend in 1960s back in trend today. And we consider it cool. Wow. Yet in between it was not considered cool at all. It was considered hot. MashaAllah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. This is how technology, or should I say, not technology, but materialism works. They will sell you the same thing that was considered taboo at one stage, bring it back into fashion. Because they know they own the lines of fashion. And how to advertise it, wow, they are the masters. So we are taught that if you follow that, you know, it's not wrong to buy the glasses. My beloved brothers and sisters, no problem. You can have that for as long as you know that that's not your main aim in life. You know, if you ask a young man, what's your main aim in life? And he says, to buy a Lamborghini. You know that he's sucked in by materialism. Sucked in totally. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. If that's your main aim in life, main aim, so much so that now you have the Lamborghini, you're ready to die because you're fulfilled. I achieved what I had to. How childish. We need to know if you run behind the dunya, the dunya always runs faster than you. You will continue running behind it. But if you run behind Allah, if you are on the straight path, you will be happy in terms of the world because yes, you will get your glasses when you have to. You will get your phones when you have to. You will get your Segway hoverboards when you have to. Everything will happen by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that will not be your main aim in life. That's just by the way, in passing. Some may afford, some may not afford. For some, it may be something they're really looking forward to. For some, they're not even bothered. But what you should all be bothered about, myself included, is to be able to walk on this path. This is the path. When you follow Islam, you will achieve happiness even in your materialistic life. But when you follow materialism, you won't even achieve happiness in that materialistic life. Remember this. So this is why we say, yes, you may don the best and the, the, you know, you may make use of the latest. There is no harm in that on condition that it does not drown you and it is not your main aim. Your main aim should be the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why Allah says, وَلَا تَتَّبِعُ This is the straight path, follow it, don't follow the offshoots. What are the offshoots? Shaytan is upon every one of those paths and he invites people towards those paths. And he makes it attractive. But this path, you should know yourself that this is the one that I should be following. There might not be anything attractive on the straight path for a person who doesn't believe. But for one who believes, it is the most attractive thing to fall in love with Allah 
And Allah loves you back in return. The beauty is Allah says, if you walk towards me, I rush towards you. You come to me a little hand span, I come to you a whole foot. Subhanallah. That's the love of Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us, telling us that perhaps you may achieve righteousness. And the last verse that we will be going through today is something very, very important. A lot of us feel bad when we are reminded. If someone tells you, Taqillah, what does that mean? Fear Allah. My sister, fear Allah. What? You fear Allah, okay. Yes, that's the response you get sometimes. You say, Taqillah, anta. Just saying, fear Allah. The hypocrites, what's the sign of the hypocrite? When he is told, fear Allah, he becomes even more hardened in his sin. Allah says, such a person, Jahannam is sufficient for him. Don't do that. When you are reminded about something, thank the person reminding you. Allah sent them and Allah will ask you, didn't we send you a reminder? And if you say who, he will remind you and how you responded to them. So one of the ways of achieving righteousness and it's in the verse of the Quran is to be able to take admonition in your stride correctly. To be able to take reprimanding the way it should be taken. To be able to take correction and thank the person correcting you and thank Allah that someone has come to correct you. I recall when I was a student, I had a friend. And sometimes he used to be very offended when he was corrected. So one day he had got up from his sleep and he had some of the fluff of the blanket on his hair. And he had this habit of pouncing on anyone who corrected him. So I told him, you know what, uh, you just need to take off. What? I was shocked. I said, no, there's a bit of fluff on your head. Look at your own head first, okay? Huh? Okay. So now he walked around with fluff and everyone's looking at him and giggling, giggling. You know how it is. But yeah, that's the giggle that happens to us. When someone tells us, read salah, dress appropriately, turn to Allah, quit your sin, make, re- make tawbah, repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What happens to us? We couldn't be bothered. Sometimes you say, ah, leave these guys. Don't let that be the case. You're a true believer, change your life. And don't say, inshallah, I'll change. Now, here, today, now, promise Allah, Allah, my life is changed. I just want to lead a good, clean, pure, decent life in a way that I go to Jannah. And I know I will struggle. My brothers and sisters, the struggles of this dunya are created in order to test you. Without those struggles, there is no test. What was the point of having a world without difficulty? And what was the point of creating paradise if this world were to have no difficulty? So this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of a certain group of people. Do you know what is Amr bil ma'roof and nahi anil munkar? It means to encourage people to do good, to encourage others to do good and to discourage them from bad. That's what it means. So if you were discouraged from bad, how would you react? That's a good question. So Allah instructs us to encourage one another to do good and discourage bad. And on top of that, this verse that I'm about to recite from Surah Al-A'raf, verse number 164, reminds us 
that when you and I are reminded about what is right and wrong, don't become upset. Listen to the verse. وَإِذْ قَالَتْ أُمَّةٌ مِّنْهُمْ لِمَتَعِظُونَ قَوْمًا اللَّهُ مُهْلِكُهُمْ أَوْ مُعَذِّبُهُمْ عَذَابًا شَدِيدًا قَالُوا مَعْذِرَةً إِلَى رَبِّكُمْ وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ There was a group of people who used to constantly remind others about what was right and wrong. So one group tells that group, why are you wasting your time reminding these people and warning them when Allah is going to punish them and destroy them anyway? If Allah has written punishment, that's what will happen. If Allah has written destruction, that's what will happen. So some people, they say, well, if Allah has already written what is going to happen, why waste your time reminding people? I'm sure you've heard that statement before. That if Allah has already written who's going to heaven, who's going to hell, why waste your time reminding them? Leave them. Whatever's going to happen will happen. The truth is you and I don't know where we are heading or anyone else is heading. So we need to continue trying. Perhaps that what was written by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't know. He knows. But he didn't tell us. That's all part of this game or part of this life. Subhanallah. So do you know what was the response of those who had knowledge? And those who knew that this reminder will definitely benefit. No matter what Allah has written, you need to continue to remind. They said, Ma'adiratan ila rabbikum. We are continuing to warn these people in order for us to have an excuse with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have fulfilled our duty when Allah asks us. We will be able to say, yes, we did do this. Allah asks us, did you remind them? And we will say, yes, we did. That's why we are reminding them. So that we can have a good response with Allah. So continue to remind and to warn and to give people hope and so on. Why? Ma'adiratan ila rabbikum. To be able to have that excuse when you meet with Allah to say, no, we did remind. Because it's your duty to remind. And who knows? Perhaps they may achieve righteousness through these reminders. Do you know whom Allah has written righteousness for? No. Do you know whom Allah has written misguidance for? No. So what if you reminded people and as a result of your reminder, Allah guided them? Don't you achieve? So continue doing that. This is why this verse has in it two or more lessons. In fact, many lessons, but two of them. One is continue to remind people. And two is when people remind you, now you're on the other side of the boat, the other side of the coin. Take it correctly. When people warn you, thank them. Don't become arrogant and haughty because in that way, you won't be able to turn to Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us piety. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. May Allah forgive our sins. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us success in this world and the next. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah wa bihamdi. Subhanakallahumma bihamdi. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.